0: Welcome back for another edition of the Husker 24 7 Hoops Cast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson here as we are heavily into Thanksgiving week, which there's no tradition quite like Nebraska basketball playing someone uh, the day before Thanksgiving and then doing it again a couple days after. Now, they have had tournaments around Thanksgiving time as well, but uh, at least when I was in school, Brian, it felt like there was always that Wednesday night game and you had to make a decision. If you're going to go back, well, I don't know how it was in Omaha, but, if, if you know, with Columbus, the night before Thanksgiving was the big, everybody ends up at the same bar at like 1130 and it's way past fire code, but somehow no one ever, you know, calls that in sort of thing. Like the the night before Thanksgiving, drinks giving, you know, for, for those that celebrate, uh, that was a big deal when I was in college. And so you had to make the choice. Like if you were going to stick around for the basketball game, you were going to get there pretty late. And then if you got there late enough, it's, you know, everyone else is so far gone. It's not even, can't even really have conversations at that point. You're just being dragged into, you know, someone that was on the football team telling you about the glory days type of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what Thanksgiving week largely was for me with Nebraska basketball as a student.
1: Usually, um, though, it was probably not a game of high intrigue. Would that be yeah. fair to say? It, was, um, this,
0: this... it always felt like it was a random school out of Texas, like Lamar. Or you know, like a UTSA or somebody like that, Incarnate Word, whatever. Um, you know, that it, it's a it's a really interesting one this week. Huh?
1: Yeah, it is. We'll get into it, but uh, Decane is uh, not to be taken lightly, and they got a pretty good backcourt and uh, some dudes who can get going. So, uh, kind of a I don't know if you call it, it is a dangerous game, but I think it, not sneaky dangerous to Nebraska. I think they are fully aware that it's a it's a tough team, and this is one they got to take care of business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, they went up to Sioux Falls to the Pentagon Center or to the the Sanford Pentagon uh, and and took care of business up there and did it, you know, in a, a pretty fast manner. But once they got for the first few minutes of the game, Jordan Pope kind of took over for Oregon State. And then there was a little five-point run from Sam Hoiberg that kind of sparked everything with a three-pointer and then uh, going in and getting two more points there. And basically, Nebraska never looked back from that point in the, in the first half and whether it was Bryce Williams scoring across multiple levels, rink mast and, and Jawan Gary doing it on the boards and, and putting up points in the paint. Uh, Nebraska got, you know, contribution from three point land from a number of players as well. You didn't even really notice, but they didn't have to rely on K-State Tomonaga. It was a pretty quiet k game. He had a, he had his, you know, usual transition three pointer to, to take the roof off the house. But, uh, other than that, you know, it, it reminded me, Brian, how deep this team can be. And on any given night, there could be a different player that steps up for Nebraska. And in this case, Bryce Williams, I think, poured in 25 points uh, against Oregon State you, in that win on Saturday.
1: Do you think we get some credit for uh, Bryce Williams' surge the last couple games? Remember, we, we brought him up uh, a week ago, and we weren't down on him by any means. I don't want to make it yeah. seem like we were. We just said well, we he hadn't scored a lot yet. And we were kind of curious what that was going to look like. And then uh, 25 in that game and the game before that um, against Stony Brook. Yep. I'm struggling. To, I'm struggling it's to remember, yeah, but that's, was, a, that, that's okay. Because Fred Hoiberg was, like asked us who was the team before uh, um, it was Stony Brook. Oregon State. Yeah. So Stony Brook, he had 16 of his 17 in the second half. So um, yeah, Bryce Williams, if you throw him into the mix as a six, seven, six, eight guy who can, you know, on occasion have that night or uh, most nights at least, you know, being double digits for you, that's looking pretty good as far as your, uh, your, your scoring options and your depth and all that stuff. So uh, that was good to see from a distance. It's funny. Of course you were at the game. I was up in Madison, Wisconsin, and you uh, might be familiar with how they make you park like a mile, mile and a half away from the stadium there. Um, in the media lot. And when I, when I got out of the parking garage, yeah, the parking garage, I looked at your update on the site and it was like nine, six Oregon state or something. I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be a tussle here. We'll see. It's early. I get, you know, all the way, get my exercise. By the time I get to the box and I look again, they'd gone on like a, what? 37, eight run or something like that. And and we were talking about how they're probably going to make the elite eight. So, um, that was a, that was a productive, no one was saying that, but I'm exaggerating, but that was a productive walk, um, for Oscar basketball. I
0: was, uh, getting, getting my steps in. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of just turned it on and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was like, oh, they were just shooting out of their mind or they were, they were only playing in one type of way, or they're only forcing turnovers. I mean, it was, it was kind of a little bit of everything. They were getting second chance points. They were pushing the tempo, in transition they were hitting shots from the outside they were getting to the free throw line they were scoring you know in the mid-range game at times like one of the things that stood out to me in this game that has me kind of excited about Bryce Williams and it's not that I think that he's going to be able to go score 25 at night in big 10 play but he's a three levels four and Nebraska hasn't had a lot of those guys like he can he has a mid-range jumper and he's not afraid to to pull up and take that shot. If he gets a step or if he's open, he can go to the rim and he can play at the rim. He can go get offensive rebounds and putbacks and he can be there in the corner and shoot threes. He can also sort of play a little point forward and set things up for you that way too. And because you have all of these different options with him, it sort of enhances the the versatility that you have with guys like rink Mast and John Gary, where, you know, you can have Bryce Williams trail down the middle and those two shoot out to the corner and for wide open three-point yeah. looks. And so it's just the versatility of Gary and uh, Williams rink mast combined with you know Tominaga and what he can sort of give you allows Nebraska to be sort of dangerous in different ways than I was kind of expecting offensively because I didn't really know what it was gonna look like. And again, I'm not gonna nominate Oregon State to to be playing in any sort of meaningful postseason basketball in, in 23, 24. But it's still good to see them go out and do this to a team. And for Nebraska, they saw Oregon State as the biggest team that was on their schedule to this point, and they put out some big front courts. And so it was like, all right, we had to go challenge ourselves in a different way. And they went and absolutely assaulted the offensive glass. Like just at one point, Brian, they had 12 offensive rebounds, and Oregon State as a team had 16 total rebounds. And so it just felt like Nebraska was just – you know, uh, even to the point where it's like it—it it was almost strategic misses. Like, okay, we've got two of our guys to so one of their guys. To we'll let it fly here, if he misses it, Bryce or Rink is coming down with this ball, and so it—it uh, it just played really well for them. And it just never felt like Oregon State was able to change it over. I do want to say Jordan Pope was a really, really good basketball player, and I think it was important for Nebraska to take on somebody like that. I mean, he was a challenge for them to defend. He could make you know tough shots, open shots. He could move with the basketball. He could move without the basketball. Jordan Pope is probably on level with about any guard they're going to face this mm. season. If if you think that's an exaggeration, I'm telling you, put on the put on the film from that game. That guy could play. I was thinking in the handshake line, Fred Hoiberg should be. Uh, you know, if you ever get tired in Corvallis, sort of thing, <laughs> uh, because he would be. He could be a really fun player to see a team build around.
1: Oh, well. I, I noticed afterwards you uh, you had some quotes from uh, Wayne uh, Tinkle, mm-hmm. um, head coach of Oregon State. And um, I thought that was interesting what he said, just because I know OSU is not really good, um, but he's in a he's in a power conference and he sees really good competition and you you could give a better, um, you know, uh, Setup of like what what it was like or how he said it, but it seemed like he really thought Nebraska was pretty good. I mean that's that's how his one, quote or two read when when I was reading up in the box in Madison.
0: Yeah, I asked him, you know, if when he was watching on film what he had seen of Nebraska and then seeing him in person, if that had lined up. And he said, for the most part, it it did. But the the thing that stood out is they thought they were fairly prepared um, and had played some some pretty good, you know veteran guards like they thought they were prepared for what jamarcus lawrence and um sam hoiberg and and sort of the hounding that they were gonna get and he's just like we got absolutely taken to the woodshed i mean we were not we were outclassed we were physically outclassed they showed up and they played really well and you could tell that he was you know um pretty impressed by what Nebraska was able to do I think this game you know it's really interesting Brian I didn't know this before uh, probably could have done better research, but Wayne Tinkle had played in the in the the Pentagon, um, you know, in the 70s. Like he had played mm. there in his career. This game meant a ton to him to to be able to get Oregon State to go play in this place, uh, and they were set to do it in the year of the um, uh, of the COVID shutdown. So they they had to scrap it, and then they end up in this one. And so he was. He was super appreciative of the opportunity to play in that building because he wanted his team to be able to play in it. And then you could tell that he was pretty, uh, pretty impressed by what he saw from Nebraska. I mean, he stopped short of also putting him in his elite eight. But, you know, he he was very complimentary of it and certainly uh, comes across as someone that seems like one of those genuinely good guys in college basketball. Yeah. um,
1: By the way, you're talking about the rebounds, looking at the stats again. It ended up forty-four thirty-one in favor of Nebraska. So they've, I mean, they've just controlled that end of it in games where you would expect it. But this is a team in Oregon State that's got to play, uh, you know, in a power conference and go up against teams like that. And so to to beat them on the boards by thirteen is pretty significant. Um, the 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 other guy that I asked Hoiberg about um, yesterday at the press conference is Jawan Gary. And I'm guessing you were gonna lead us there at some point, but I'll just do it now. I mean, I think I saw a tweet from you that um, was similar to my thoughts um, with Gary. He's i I believe I underestimated how important he was. Like I knew he was important. Don't get me wrong, but the level to which he is to this team um, is really jumping off the page just two games into his return
0: yeah and there's a court intelligence savvy that he has like he seems to know when to be in the corner he seems to know when to get to the uh get to the block he plays good defense i think he sort of feeds off the energy as as the rest of the team does, but it seems like he really feeds off the energy of josiah Alec. uh it just there's a there's something there that i didn't i didn't really remember i guess from last year, and he didn't mm-hmm. you think about it i think he only played eleven games. Uh, for Nebraska last season, or, or somewhere around that, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a ton. But they lost him so early, and Nebraska kind of was multiple different teams in their non-conference last season in the months of November and December. That I don't know that I really knew what he was, and now it's just it, he's just like a, he's kind of a cheat code in some ways. I mean, you can use him to shoot threes, you can use him to to play defense, and use kind of his length. He's willing to get physical. He'll go inside. He can shoot free throws, so you can send him to the line. Like, he is a guy that is willing to kind of to do a little bit of everything, uh, and you, you need guys like that. I don't know that he's going to have double-digit points um, off the bench every week, but you can tell that he comes in looking to score. It's not like, oh, I'm in here to enhance everybody else. I'm in here, and there's an opportunity. I'm in the corner. I'm going to let this thing fly. Or I've got the offensive rebound here. I'm going straight up with the putback. I got fouled. All right, three-point play. Like, he's – He's someone who is aggressive almost in, in a lot of what he does. And it adds another element to to a Nebraska team that can really play and space teams in ways that I don't know, Brian, I can't think of a lot of Nebraska teams in the past that have this sort of spacing component to it where you can really spread teams out. I mean, when you're you're talking about having all five guys as, as mm. uh, possibilities to shoot threes, the backdoor lanes, that's opening up for Tominaga and some of the people when they cut, like they're – they are going to have some easy baskets because of their ability to draw defenders out to the perimeter.
1: Yeah. And he, he worked a lot on his shot um, while he was rehabbing and Hoiberg always brings this up, how he's kind of straightened out his shot. He was tilting a little bit with it before the injury. And he, he went to the lab and um, you've seen it in early on that he can, he can hit the outside shot. He had a couple, his first game back from behind the arc. I think it was five of 10 from the field against uh, Oregon state that the, the game I remember him for last year. And then the injury happened shortly after was at Minnesota um, where they pulled it off. I think it went yep. to OT, you know, he had a big day on the glass and all that, but the, the challenge, even going back to last season that Hoiberg always had for him was actually the defensive glass. Um, He's always talked about how he's great on the offensive glass when it's just up there and go get it, go crash it. Um, but it, it, he wanted him to improve on that end of the floor as far as securing the rebounds. And, um, as he said on Monday at the press conference, he's come a long way in that too. So, um, yeah, th- with Gary as part of the lineup now, um, I just feel a lot better about things. Um, I mean, the first game, when we did a podcast after that one, we were pretty high on things. And then it was funny the second week we yep. were, I think dipped a little Flunkier. bit yeah. And now we're now now we're feeling a little bit better. So we'll see what D- this Duquesne brings to our to our spirits. But Jawan, Gary's uh, return is a big reason why I'm so optimistic in this week's edition of our podcast. Yeah.
0: You know, what's remarkable, though, about what you're talking about there? Like we're we were a little hesitant to to kind of just be like, oh, yeah, Nebraska's played really well. And then you look at it and it's like they're putting up 80 points in multiple games. And they hadn't really done that under Fred Hoiberg defensively. They're holding, you know, they're winning games by 20 points in some instances uh, as well. And they haven't done that a lot, whether, you know, they played bad teams in the past or good teams or what have you. Uh, it's nice to see a Nebraska organization that even when they're not playing great, they're still getting dominant wins. Like this isn't, we have to kind of remember like hmm. this is the same program that lost its opener to Western Illinois that, you know, Fred Hoiberg's first ever game at Nebraska, they lost to like UC Riverside or something. Um, right. So they like as bad as this schedule is at times, the fact Nebraska's come out and just dominated should make you feel better that they, they are able to kind of handle what's in front of them. And they're doing that in some cases on off nights, you know, it hasn't always looked like it did in, in the, the Pentagon where, they're able to just kind of throw it into the ocean and get points for it. So uh, it it's a good reminder that they've had to play different styles, and the result has largely been the same. They're just straight dominating these teams, which is what you'd want to see. And it'll be interesting with with uh, Duquesne, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, if that changes or if they are able to kind of keep that streak going. Real quickly, want to finish up. Um, I mean, we don't have to finish up. We can keep talking about this game too. But I, I do at least want to mention, Brian, I don't know that I've ever watched a player – spend as much percentage of a basketball game on the ground as Josiah Alec does. Yeah. I think he had another five or six loose ball dives and, and everything else on, on Saturday. Uh, just it's, it's really fun to to watch a big guy of, of all people kind of play that way. And, you know, he was, he was among those after that game that was taking pictures of anybody and everybody that was there at the, the Pentagon. And he's just, uh, He's been a fun part of this experience, too. Uh, and it was a player that, I got to be honest, when they picked up in the portal, I'm like, okay, that's nice, cool story. Wasn't sure, you know, exactly what you are going to get. Didn't think that he would have much of an offensive component to him. But he's he's another solid guy, and and that effort and that hustle is contagious. I mean, we, we heard Hoiberg talk about it after the game on Saturday. He's talked about it multiple times. He really feels like the the team pulls a lot of their energy off of the way that Josiah plays the joy of
1: Josiah Alec and watching him play is really going to come forward like in the January, February when that gym is full. season. Yeah. When, well, well, when the gym is full at PBA and it's one of those games, you know, where it's a, it's a two or four point game with, you know, eight minutes to go and he's on the floor calling a timeout, you know, wrestling the ball away from yep. somebody and everybody gets, that's what he's going to bring to the table. And, um, Not just the final minutes. I think he's going to be the guy who, in some of those games that are crucial, like early on as a tone setter, like he makes a hustle play in the first five minutes or something. It's like, this is the way we're going to play tonight. And guys feed off it because you see a guy like sacrificing his body, willing to jump into the first row. And I think he's that type of guy. Um, it makes an, you know, your teammates say, okay, I got to do that too. (laughs) Like I can't get shown up here. Um, so it's, it's a really good thing. Um, and that's where him and Gary are nice compliments because, you know, Alec isn't, he can shoot it. I think he can score it better than he has. And and there's that belief that he can, but, uh, Gary maybe brings you a little bit more of that scoring punch mm-hmm. and, and Alec brings you more of that X factor, you know, to, to a game where it's like the, the little stuff that doesn't necessarily show on the stat sheet.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the, the physical component of what Nebraska can bring in their front court is going to be tested, uh, but also could be an advantage for them in Big Ten season, which is not something we've said a lot about Nebraska basketball. They tend to be more kind of guard or swingman oriented, and you got to have your scorers kind of pull it through, and the big men are in there to grab rebounds. And um, they can do that, but they can also put it up and, and get double doubles for you. I mean, I think Rink Mass is going to have. Quite a few, uh, at least here in the non-conference. We'll see how that translates over when they get into conference play, and or at least those first two games in December. Uh, anything else you want to touch on from Sioux Falls, Brian?
1: No, uh, you you hit it well, and I'm glad you were there uh, for us. And I, I will say, um, I could tell it was just before the football game. Of course, people want to win that one badly, but the the hoop score flashed up, and it's going around on Twitter and all that stuff, and um, there's buzz about it. Like, you know, there's excitement. It's, it's part of what's going on with Husker athletics in some sports where, you know, the women's soccer is doing well, volleyball is doing well. And you got the hoops team off to a five and zero start for the first time since 08, 09, And you could definitely feel like there was some like, all right, I'm, I think it was one of those games where it might've tipped a few people's heads over this way. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this now and see what, see what these guys are about. So maybe people who weren't watching, I think are going to, start paying a little more attention.
0: Yeah. And if Nebraska takes care of business and Creighton does the same, you could have a game in a couple of weeks that is going to feature cool. some unbeaten, unbeaten teams and uh, what you have to assume is a capacity crowd ready to roll uh, between, you know, two programs and fan bases that don't always like each other, despite the fact they all root for the same football team. <laughs>
1: Little jab there,
0: A little jab. All right, let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, we will dive into uh, Duquesne. Uh, what Brian has learned from Fred Hoyberg as Nebraska prepares for this game on Wednesday, and then we are going to debut what I expect to be a staple and a fan favorite. Name that random Husker uh, that'll come up here in the second half of this podcast. All right, Brian, what did uh, what did Fred Hoyberg have to say on Monday?
1: Well, decane, uh who they're playing Wednesday night, um they're they're dangerous. Uh they Took beat Ryder
0: a little bit too, a team that Nebraska beat and a team that's expected to win its conference.
1: Ryder uh isn't bad. Uh they're they're uh, I mean, they're one of those teams who I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the year you're like, "Oh, they're like a 16 seed or something because they won their league." Um they beat them 7 Decaine beat them 77-58. They've got really good guard play. Duquesne does. Um, they scored 90 against Charleston. Um, you know, they, they're their Day Grant and Jimmy Clark the third are their guards who are both preseason all-conference guys in the A-10. Uh, Day Day Grant's averaging uh, 20.2 points per game right now. So they've got guys who can fill it up in a hurry. So Nebraska's really going to have to guard those guys. I think this is going to be one of those games where you hope um, the length of Nebraska sort of pay some dividends and making some difficult shots. This is a game like we were talking about Bryce Williams earlier. I think he can be really impactful um with his length um on the other end of the court and Jamarcus Lawrence, who we haven't talked as much about, but he's a good defender and I think this is a type of game uh, where maybe he could uh, step up and and really get some things done for you. So um, yeah, I, I expect this will be one where, Nebraska is going to have to be a little crisper on offense and they have been in some of the first halves of the early games at PBA and come out and kind of set that tone where, um, you know, you're getting good shots and, and you're knocking some down from beyond the arc and you don't start like two of uh, 15 or something like that.
0: Yeah, you know, Brian, we've seen throughout the, the early non-conference play here, different players have kind of had their game. Like I felt like Sam Hoiberg was a big catalyst in that first game. Rink Mast has had a couple games now where it just felt you could tell he could put the team a little bit on his back when they needed it offensively. Bryce Williams in Sioux Falls and and, uh, Joanne Gary against Stony Brook. Is it possible for Nebraska, the first Kese Tominaga game of the year could come on Wednesday night? You're playing probably the best team that you've faced so far, and you're going to need to kind of fill it up we you know it might be a little bit sleepy in there on wednesday with a crowd that thinking about the uh the turkey ahead and and that's if they're even there it's been kind of a kind of some light crowds here obviously with nebraska playing some some lesser teams in non-conference play but do you think the uh the big K-State managa again could be around the corner here to kick things off
1: uh it's going to pop up soon uh there's no question about it you 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 feel like he's been close on his shot um even in, when it hasn't been going down uh, which isn't surprising. So, you know, I, I do think it probably took him a little bit time of time to get the uh, to get some of the rust off after the ankle injury, and he might be to that point now where he he climbs that hill. The other thing you got to remember about Casey is uh, that was a busy, busy summer for him. Like, I mean, he's got like so much much for expectations with him in his home country and playing in that, um, you know, uh, playing at home. And playing so much. Yes. Yeah. So so much basketball that he played. Um, I know Hoiberg has often talked about, you know, being careful with his workload when he got back here and then he suffers the injury. So you combine those two things. That's, that's a bit of a challenge right off the bat to overcome, but I do think we're probably to that point where he's about to, to turn the corner. And the, the nice part is he you can have that option where he can have that night where he goes off for twenty-eight. And you also have the type of team where if he's, uh, you know, other guys are going to get theirs and you you can survive if he had, what do you have eight
0: points on uh, Saturday? I think something like that. Yeah. Quiet eight points. He had a nice assist to set up the dunk on a trailing Josiah Alec as well. And so, um, you know, it's, it was a, it was a quiet game, but you, like I said, he did the things that you sort of expect. He nails the transition three point, like the sort of thing where you see that they're getting him on the outlet. And you can just tell in his body language that ball is not getting any closer than five feet to the three-point line because he is pulling up. And you you just know when he has that kind of rhythm that there's probably a 50% chance he's draining this thing and he hits it. And, uh, you could tell it didn't even surprise him. And then next opportunity puts in the next three-pointer. Then I think the, the alley-oop came – or not alley-oop, but the, the pass setting up the, the dunk came shortly thereafter. I mean, he, he sort of had a six-point run himself and then – was was kind of quiet, you know, did his usual defensive stuff. He continues to be a little bit of like the crafty YMCA defender. Uh, kind of he pokes his hand in at the right time, undercuts a guy here or there, you know, sees, reads something from a, a pass from across the court and gets in position. He's maybe not going to be the best on-the-ball defender uh, out there for Nebraska, but he's a guy that is just going to be sort of uh, annoying, I guess is how you can yeah. describe him. And he's kind of good in that role. But you can see where he flusters opponents a little bit with with kind of his, you know, whole self, I guess, if you will. Yeah. And as much as
1: we get a kick out of K-Stay as being the guy who will uh, pump fake from like 30 feet on occasion and do all that stuff. I don't feel like he really forces it when it's not there very often. Um, I mean, he'll he'll check himself to see to see uh, where the thermometer's at, you know, for him at that in certain moments in the game. But like you said, he had that assist on Saturday and he's, uh, he's pretty good about uh, sharing the basketball. And I think as his chemistry in game chemistry continues to build with guys like rink Mast, you're going to see him on some backdoor cuts and stuff like that, get some, some easier buckets that, you know, get you feeling good. And, Um, open up um, you know the scoring for him because that that was the thing that was so amazing about case last year is he was like second or third in the league in field goal percentage like um, inside the arc uh, which is very odd for his size and all that but he's so good without the basketball and moving and and getting those shots so um, I think that's gonna happen more and more too as we go forward
0: yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. And uh we'll see, you know, when we're back here doing this next week on Tuesday, if uh we have two games to, to break down if we get the, the K State breakout game uh for 23-24 here this week. All right, Brian, is it time the debut of name that random husker? Husker hoops. All right,
1: let's do it. I'm All gonna right. I'm gonna here's, test you. Go set it up.
0: Here's here's kind of what we're gonna do. Brian's got a player, I have no idea who it is. It's someone throughout nebraska basketball history i'm guessing it's going to be at least within my lifetime i would i would think yes um you know it's gonna yes. be a lot harder if i if i get to go to the Mo iba era or uh was it joe cipriano uh i am i making up names now those are former no nebraska you're not coaches. yeah yeah so i i don't know anything about that uh i came along in the the golden run of the 90s and uh have mostly you know experienced The things that came after that so i uh i am very excited to see where this goes brian will give clues if i don't have a guest he'll move on to the next clue if i use a guest and it's wrong you get three strikes once you're three strikes you're out you know that's that's how this works it's we're mixing baseball with basketball here
1: this is uh going to be similar to like when we have football history husker history discussions i think because yeah. there's a, everybody has a certain wheelhouse in their life it's not that you don't follow it at other points but there's certain things from certain eras a lot of time when you're like 10 to 13 years old it seems like when you just remember stuff better it's it was everything was so big to you so there um i'm glad that you include the 90s though in your uh, Husker basketball knowledge, because that's like my wheelhouse of like, yeah. man, the old Danny Knee days. And but mine anyway. is
0: definitely the decade that follows. So it's when I'm going to be missing, it's probably going to be on some of these 90s guys. All
1: right. So here is your first clue. Um, I think he hit. The best The I would say it's by the greatest shot in modern Husker history um as far as just like being clutch and the moment that it set off and i that's a clue that seems like it should give it away but i don't think it will no because
0: now i'm i'm trying to to remember various buzzer beaters or you know clutch type wins and weirdly the very first name that comes to mind uh is is someone that I, I can't even imagine you picking. So, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to need another clue. I can't go off of the first one here. All
1: right. The second clue would be he I'm 99% sure of this. You should probably be 100% sure before you give it as a clue, but I'm 99%. He uh, played in the famous high school tournament in Indiana, like in one of those games that was like the most watched games of all time. Um, he was in and I'm 90 I'm going to say 97% sure actually of that but uh, um, the clue is enough that even if I'm slightly off I'm giving you the state uh, he's from yeah
0: so former player from Indiana that had a massive shot and he played in
1: one of the most like watched you know how Indiana basketball makes Hoosiers makes big deal about sure, like yeah. the, the state title game and all that. He played in one of the more watched uh, versions of that. I'm quite sure.
0: I'm now like I'm trying to remember states where guys are from. All right, I I will have a guess off of the next clue, but I'm gonna need another one.
1: Okay, I'm trying to think of one that can. I mean, I don't know. He's a guard. I'll tell you that. Um and he uh played in the NCAA tournament.
0: Terran Padaway? No, he's from Texas. That's not he's not from Indiana, so that's strike one. Um Do you I want another clue?
1: Do you want another clue?
0: No, not yet. So now, now I have to decide whether we're talking about from someone in the 90s which it seems probably more likely than their last tournament team which was 1314 uh because to people making big shots in that season
1: people need to never mind my typing I'm double checking some things okay <laughs> yeah that would add up I'm pretty sure
0: uh all right I well I've already missed one so I'm I'm gonna. We'll go to the next one. Okay. Um, he's a guard. He's from Indiana. Played in a major high school, uh, watch tournament game there, and he hit a humongous shot for Nebraska basketball that yeah. set some things off. There was a the big three pointer against Kansas, but I'm blanking on a mm. name. Mm. Um, is mm, it Johnson? Close. What yeah. was that? Yeah. yeah i just yeah. don't know the first name I, is it like jamar right. johnson or something jamar
1: johnson
0: You've yeah got it. all right look at that that is definitely a little before where i would be uh you know memorable and stuff but that's a highlight when you started it that was the first one of the first shots that came to mind for me but it was like one of those where i couldn't just come up with the name i had to work through it a little bit and then you give me indiana and i say taran pettaway because i'm a idiot yeah it was, kind, it, was kind right. it was kind of it was kind of
1: cruel it was kind of cruel of me um and probably not as fun for you as me uh um, oh, no this
0: is that's what ja- this is though
1: jamar johnson's from elkhart indiana by the way and i'm quite sure of this Day- damon bailey you remember that name of Hoosier lore uh damon yeah. bailey like early bobby yeah. Like early nineties. Um, he was, he was like he's the what most,
0: I think he looks like
1: he's one of the more sought after guards coming out of high school. Like he was just like incredible in the Indiana high school scene. So he was in the state title game and I believe Jamar Johnson was involved in that game. Um, and the, they filled up like the RCA dome, you know, to watch it. It was that type of game. So Jamar Johnson obviously in the Danny knee era, and the game, of course, was against Kansas. I think it was 92. Um, this is what I remember about it. Um, they put it on. E- it wasn't on television, like on normal television. But ESPN suddenly brought us to the Devaney Center. I was listening on the radio to Kent Pavelka. And they suddenly put it on in the last like second because Nebraska had the ball underneath their basket and they they were going to show us like the Raycom feed of this ending and it's a quick pass to the corner jamar just catches shoots and hits it and the student section just converges on him and it's uh one of the best Husker yeah. scenes. In- I
0: the highlight has played no less than oh, I don't know 40 Nebraska basketball games that I've probably been at, you know, it's it's thrown up there. Uh it certainly You know, definitely ranks up there amongst the most clutch shots in Husker Hoops history. I'm now reading about this game that you were referencing uh, that was played in the the Indiana State Championship in 1990. Um, So Damon Bailey and Jamar Johnson squared off in a game where 41,000 people were at the Hoosier Dome. Uh The most to ever attend a high school basketball game. Bailey scores 30 points of his team 63, including the final 11 in a 63 60 come from behind win. So not only was it like the, the anticipation of it was enormous. It's also turns out to just be this phenomenal game on top of everything else. You know, I, I don't know that there's a, a similarity for Nebraska basketball in recent ones. You've certainly those bell West Miller, North games have lived up to the billing multiple times. Uh, and then you go way back. I mean, there's definitely been some Class A tussles in the Devaney Center that were tremendous. But it's always, you know, great when you get that kind of atmosphere, and then the game actually lives up to it.
1: Yeah, and the fun, and back to the Nebraska Kansas game that he won at the buzzer. I think it was like 71 69. That was that was like a stretch of time in Husker hoops when Nebraska would just like own Kansas at the Devaney center. It was funny. Like the Kansas would come in ranked third or fourth and Nebraska. I mean, they didn't win every year, but um, they knocked them off quite a few times. Of course, there was a game where uh, they won in front of Dick Vitale where Terrence Badgett dunked it at the end and stuff like that. So um, I, I see that's my wheelhouse years, those early nineties teams, but um, Jamar Johnson always lives in my head because of
0: that shot. And I remember his arms going up and all that stuff. So great Husker yeah. hoops memory. 90, 90% of my Kansas experience is just watching him just pummel Nebraska into pulp and hating every second of it.
1: Like showing up Monday. for,
0: yeah, showing up for a big Monday at noon <laughs> to, to get into the, into the red zone for a game that starts at 8. PM and Nebraska scores a whopping 11 points, I believe in the first half. That was a rough one. Uh, I was there.
1: Ryan Anderson yeah. sing a good national anthem though I believe
0: yeah did uh, Ryan
1: Anderson sing the national anthem
0: yeah, probably that <laughs> was that was when he was you know your three-point specialist and also uh the, the guy doing the, the anthem and releasing his his music albums as well as the season would go along so uh those were always very popular you know um, in the in the dorm rooms at the time like he would be he'd be like making these CDs and handing them out to people like oh check out my music kind of thing. I remember that from uh, living in Smith Hall in uh, 2006 and 2007. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's our that's our Husker Hoops cast for for this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. I've already got the player picked out for Brian. Okay. It was the first person I thought of. Um, you know, when when this game started, and the great thing about the random Nebraska basketball player is usually if we don't go too deep into the randomness they almost all have some sort of moment that you can tie them to and then build the clues off of as well. All right. Jamar well, Johnson, Hopefully hopefully, I was starter. all right with mine. Um, but, uh, Oh yeah, that- <laughs> absolutely. I look, I got it. it you know, I, I somehow managed to pull it out of the recesses of my brain, the name of, of the person who took that shot, even though i never watched it live. But as I said, I've seen it on Nebraska's uh, video board at the Bob DeFanny and, and Pinnacle Bank Arena around forty to fifty times already. So, all right uh, for Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver, Be sure to check out everything we have going on at Husker twenty four seven. Of course, plenty of football as Black Friday game is drawing near. Nebraska need to win four bowl eligibility. Lots of recruiting. There is at least one official visitor, but I'm expecting more uh, for the weekend. So we'll have coverage of that at Husker twenty four seven. High school championships tonight as well. Class A title, uh, Omaha West Side against Elkhorn South. We'll have coverage of that game too all of that can be found at husker 24 7 and of course basketball coverage brought to you by brian Christofferson and occasionally mike shaver as well at husker 24 7 brunt's too you know one of these days we'll let him on the podcast again but we'll see when he's earned yeah